on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum againom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Download the top-rated ball sports app today for the latest odds on weekend GAA action and great money-back offers on every televised championship game. GAA betting with ball sports. Bring it on. You're listening to The Throw-In, the GA Championship podcast on independence.ie. Hello, I'm Frank Roach, and on this week's show, we look forward to two provincial finals, along with an avalanche of backdoor matches and boat codes. In hurling, it's one of the highlights of the GA year as Tip and Waterford clash in the Munster hurling final. Owen Kelly will be joining us for that one. And David Brady will be previewing a Connacht football final that very few people predicted at the start of summer as Galway play host to Roscommon, as well as assessing Mayo's chances of backdoor redemption starting against Fermanagh. Michael Verney, Donica Boyle and Conor McKeown are with me in studio. And Conor, when you consider the glut of qualifier action almost upon us, do you think one or two genuine All-Ireland contenders could actually find themselves out of the championship by Sunday night? There's a, a huge amount on the line. Like, the, you know, obviously Galway beating Mayo um, and Tipperary beating Cork in football. They were two big shocks, but, you know, this is the first time where somebody could end up out of the championship. I don't know how vulnerable Mayo look. Uh, the home draw probably meant that, you know, Forman aren't going to beat them there. But, you know, it would certainly jump off the page as the match where one of the teams could be beaten. And then I suppose the other one, Limerick or Clare, you know, pre-season, both of these teams looked like decent bets to get to an All-Ireland semi-final and one of them are going to be gone by, by Saturday evening. So, yeah, I think from that point of view, it's um, it's the first serious weekend of GAA in terms of teams actually exiting the championship that would have had notions about themselves. And, and this week in July, this, this this is when we reach the killing fields, really. I mean, so many teams are just going to be have their championship, championship in ruins by... By Sunday, yeah, we've been talking about it, that there hasn't really been a serious game up until now. This is really when it starts to heat up, and particularly in Turles on on Saturday evening, like TJ Ryan or Davy. In my opinion, whoever loses there, the manager probably goes. And similar situation probably in Cork and Wexford. I'd say the losing manager could be out the door there as well. These are big games coming up in the football. Is the same, yeah. There's an awful lot on the line. It's really when you can start to get a bit of a buzz about it now. There's there's so much at stake at the moment. Uh, and start to uh, put together a run as well this time of year so um, wins around early July that can build up into something pretty significant and like for Manor last year you find yourself in the last eight 
takes very little um, to uh, put a run together and, and find yourself in the business end of things. be interesting to see how many times the word momentum is mentioned in the next six weeks as well. That, that's all. That's the backdoor discussion. But, but most of the focus this weekend, of course, is on the two front door finals. Uh, we've got the Connacht football final in Salt Hill. But the, the really the, the, the only gig in town, Munster Hurling fans will tell you, is Tipperary against Waterford in Limerick. I'm joined now by Owen Kelly. Owen, uh, if, I, if I was cruel, I could start by asking you about 2002 in Parky Keeve, the last time Waterford beat Tip in a Munster final. Uh, but of course, Tip have won the last four Munster finals against the Dacia. So do you think they'll make it five? I do, I do. I think it'll be tighter than um, than the previous Munster finals, I think 2012 and 2011. And, and last year's game, I suppose, in the last maybe 10 minutes, Tipperary turned it from being a one or two point game into maybe winning by, by their five points. And the reason they did that last year was Bubbles, I think, moved himself from wing forward into centre forward and he got two or three short balls and he scored from 60 yards. Now he's not there on, on Sunday, so he's definitely one less of a headache uh, for Derek McGrath and he's a loss for Tipperary but no, if you go back to 2002 Tip were going in roaring favourites again similar to the way they are on Sunday um, you know and I think that Watford team back then had got victories over Tipperary at minor and under 21 level so they didn't fear Tipperary the likes of Ken McGrath Dan Shannon Dave Bennett all these guys had turned over Tipperary John Milano and Kelly and those guys so I think this younger prop of water guys coming through have that same probably confidence about them I don't know have they the full belief that they can win maybe at these big level but definitely um, Derek McGrath is going to put this to the test on Sunday I don't think that full belief was there last year that they could push on and win of course I said it wasn't the system that they the system that they play but but um, I think they definitely they have the, the belief that they can win on Sunday, but I think they're going to come up short against Tip this weekend. It's fair fair to say that this Waterford defence won't leak seven goals in a Munster final as they did, I think, four years ago. Uh, what what other big changes do you see in Waterford that, that Derek has brought in? I think from last year, they're, just, they're attacking more, I suppose. Now, look, you can argue last year they still maybe hit their 120 in, in games, but they, did, they didn't do that against the Tips and the Kilkenny's. You know who I think Derek goes on the record. I've mentioned both those counties a lot now. You know sometimes Tip are thrown in the same bracket as Kilkenny, but they don't. We don't back it up with silverware, so that's why you'd expect the Tip team on Sunday to be so hungry during the Munster final. You know they've suppose the hurt of last year's All Ireland semi-final defeat to, to Galway, and the, the spine of the Tip team, the Parig Myers, Brendan Maher, Seamus Callan, they're all 27-28 now, so they're at a stage in their careers where they can't afford to be leaving Munster finals behind them so that's why I think that hunger and that drive that you've seen against Limerick when they went down to 14 minutes I think that could just get them over the line on, on Sunday but definitely um, Waterford you know I suppose Brick Walsh is playing in the half forward line and Brick is not known as a natural forward he wins a lot of possession and then they pull a man out so they're, they're kind of playing with four forwards so I think against Tipperary's back line which is very strong it's probably not enough to get the scores on the board um, and that's why I think it'll probably sway as a tips direction only by a, a, the minimum margin a point or two uh, Owen Connor wants to come in here just I think you know obviously Waterford's goal scoring problems um, to put them that way are, are pretty well known but I think the two championship games where they didn't get a goal last year were Tipperary and Kilkenny the two games they didn't win and I was looking at earlier on in the five games in Division 1A this year they only got one goal in three games against Clare, they averaged the goal per game. And you just wonder, like, you know, for all, you know, Morris Shannon coming back into the team, Parik Mahoney coming back into the team, they still don't look like they're going to score three goals against a Kilkenny or Tipperary in a in a match of this size just now, do they? 
No, that's the thing, and I don't think I can see him scoring two or three goals on on Sunday again. You know, now on the flip side of that, we'll say Derek reminds me sometimes like uh, Davy Fitz. I suppose you often read the uh, on the old paper they have a relationship. You know, where they'd probably discuss things or did previously in the past, but. Derek would have set out this year to beat Kilkenny in the league and to beat Tipperary in the league just to put that psych- psychological boost into the squad and I think he'd done that, you know, but you know, doing that is one thing but you have to create your goal opportunities to beat the likes of Tip's defence and we've all seen Kilkenny when they when they filter back as you've seen in the second half last Sunday, you know, it's it's very hard to, 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 to get a goal or to get two goals which you need to beat these teams so um. You know, definitely, it'll probably be something Derek works on all these things, you know, and he'll probably have a plan in place. But unless they hit two or three goals, I, I can't see him getting enough scores on the board to be tip on, on Sunday. Just on the flip side of that, uh, Owen, do you think with Bubbles gone and maybe with workers out in the half-forward line like Dan McCormick and Bonner Maher, do you think Tip have the ammunition out around that middle third to be getting the 20 or 21 points that they're going to need to get I to beat Waterford? I think they're going to need massive performances from obviously Seamus Callan, who is their main hitman. You know he's going to have to play every game, which is going to be a tough ask considering Barry Coughlin will be on him and he'd probably have a man in front of him. I think the half-forward line for Tip on Sunday and midfield are going to have to produce scores. Dan McCormack is going to have to produce two or three points. Now look, this is his third championship game, so you would hope now he is he's fully into it. Um, Bonner is back and played very well the last day again even though he didn't score he's probably going to have to maybe hopefully get through and and score so that's where Tip need big performances from and out around the middle of the pitch because you know that's where you probably sometimes can get a small bit of space against Watford who like to choke you inside so you know Michael Breen now scored 2-1 the last day so I'm sure Derek will have an eye on him but but definitely I think if the half hour line is not, not delivering I'd say Mick Ryan won't be Long about maybe introducing the likes of Sean Corn in there, who who can score. You know, he played his first championship game against Cork. He back he was injured the last day, but it's 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 something that they I'm sure would have worked on when Bubbles is is not there because Bubbles and Seamus Callan we've seen have delivered nearly eighty percent of uh, or eighty five percent of his scores in the last two seasons. But on the plus side, I think John McGrath is there now, and Noel McGrath is back to form, and he was missing last year's championship. So, you know, I suppose Noel and John McGrath. Going to need big performance as well, but the likes of Dan McCormick and Bonner in the half forward line, and there's rumours that Niall O'Mara is going to get in there in place the bubble. So, oh, if you could get maybe seven or eight points off that half forward line, I think that would make up uh, definitely for Bubbles' loss uh, on Sunday. Oh, and Donica has a question for you here. Uh, I just, I suppose, I want to talk a little bit about Seamus Callan. Um, going back to 2006, he was on the bench for his minor team. And in the last two years, he's been nominated for Horder of the Year. And the only people who bet him is Richie Hogan and TJ Reid, who had two extraordinary years. Like you were probably at a, at a front row seat for this own for his development. Like what has changed about him in the last few years that has turned him into one of the one of the best around from from a lad who yeah, wasn't getting his game as a minor. Like yeah, simply Eamon O'Shea has just handed him the responsibility. He's just given him the full responsibility. Free taker, um, you know, I mean, he's now the focal point of the attack and the edge of the square. You know, he's expected to lead the attack. And you know, I suppose, as I mentioned earlier on about uh, the couple of guys from those minor teams of 06 and 07, they won back to back minor titles. They're all 27, 28 now, so they're matured fellas now. They know that, you know, this it's either now or never for them to win titles because, as I said to you, when they're put in the same bracket as Kilkenny, right, they have contested league finals and Ireland finals, and I've been part of that against Kilkenny. But Kilkenny have come out with the silverware, with the medals in the back, the winners' medals in the back pocket. So that hurts as a 
player like and I suppose when you're mentioned in the same back as Kenny, it's you know, you don't have the medals to, to maybe back it up all the times, but definitely he's been handed a responsibility and he's grabbed it with both hands like and uh, you know, he's a joy to watch and you know, he's in the same category now as your Richie Hogan's and your your um T J Reeds, he's central to uh, to tipping successfully even on Sunday and you no know, water I'm sure are gonna have going to try and uh, put the shackles on him. So, you know, Shamey was quite in the monster final last year, but hopefully that that'll just drive him on and motivate him for Sunday to, to get on get on the ball, get possession and, and to and to get scores and play. Last question, whoever loses uh, the Munster final on Sunday, do you, do you think there is a role for them in the Championship that they can recover and be still hurling well into August? You see, it's going to depend on the draw too. Like, you know, if Tip turn around and, and are faced with, 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 with like the Clare, if Clare, which I expect them to get over the weekend, and Clare maybe get their full uh, players back, their Conor McGrath that was out injured. You know, you're, you're brittle after a Munster final defeat. You know, you'd be... Um, take a while to get into the swing of things the other team player obviously on the back of a win if they come through which I expect them to so it throws up a different scenario so it, it would be tough for tipping a quarter final if they, were, if they had a tough draw um, that's why I'd expect them to really you know I mean go through the front door um, water might be different I'd say you know with their younger players and that even though they will have lost a couple of finals now if they lose on Sunday I think water um, we've seen last year quarter final or the the quarterfinal didn't do them any, any problem after the monster final defeat, so they've experienced it. So I think for Tip, it, it could cause a problem, but for Watford, I don't think a defeat in the monster final would going forward. Thanks very much for that, their own. Uh, Michael, turning to the hurling qualifiers in Semple Stadium on Saturday, uh, we've got Cork and Wexford and Clare v Limerick. Uh, you reckon that four managerial jobs could potentially be on the line here? Yeah, I think there's an awful lot on the line in Turles. Um If you look, Cork have had a disappointing year, barring staying up in Division 1A you know went out fairly limply to Tipperary beat Dublin at the weekend a 14 man Dublin albeit and they come up against Wexford now who awfully were atrocious at the weekend there's no point in saying any different but coming up to that game Wexford had been in a fair bit of disarray and there's an awful lot of guys in on that squad or not in on that squad that probably a lot of people would feel they should be so I think Liam Dunn in particular there is under a lot of pressure I expect Cork to win by 6 or 7 points to be honest with you and I I don't expect to see Liam done next year, but if Cork were to, or if Wexford were to produce something and defeat Cork, I don't think you see Kieran Kingston either, because you know there's so much pressure going on there in Cork as well. And then you look at the main game, uh, like TJ Ryan has had four or five years now at this stage, and it's a couple of years since they were in All Ireland semi final, and they don't look like getting back there, especially against Clare, who, while they've won a league title, I think Davy Davy's under pressure to deliver something in championship. They haven't delivered the Munster title now, so he has to produce a run in the qualifiers and has to get to the All-Ireland semi-final at least. Could you remind me who Davy Fitz's county board boss is now again or might that be uh, might that be a factor there? Yeah, there might be. I don't know if it's his boss. He's definitely uh, involved there somewhere. All right, So that would be something. But I think there was a, an outcry in Clare last year for you know for somebody to come in or for a root and branch analysis. I know Brian Lowen called for it and Gerlach Nan did as well. And kind of nothing happened really. And if they don't produce in championship again, remember they've only beaten Leash and Offaly in championship since the 2013 All Ireland final. And if they, if I think if they're beaten on on Saturday, I think that's the end of Davy. My, my opinion anyway. I'm at the second manager, are you? Oh no, no, far <laughs> from it. No, no. From, from, coming from a player's point of view, though, as well. At the end of the day, if they're not producing yeah. results, league is going to be quickly forgotten. Yeah, I, I think you're right about Liam Dunn. It just doesn't look good for Wexford at the moment. And Barr producing something major against Cork. I think he's probably finished. I think his race is probably run with that team. Um, 
and maybe TJ as well. But Kieran Kingston, it's his first year. Like you have to, you have to give him time to get his head around. I don't think there's too many fellas waiting around in the wings in Cork either. Like I don't think it's, I don't think it's the easiest appointment going there. And the Davy thing is, I mean, who's going, who's going to be the man that shows up at Davy's door to tell him that he's not going to be around next year? I mean, I don't know what everyone else thinks. I know that they've been incredibly successful under 21. They've had an awful lot of really good players. Uh, come true and there is this idea that they might be wasting some of their best talent in the best years of their hurling life but I mean he won in All-Ireland in 2013 like you can't overlook that and I don't know how much credit you get in the bank from that but I would have thought it would stretch beyond this season He's gotten very little credit in Clare for that to be honest with you just from talking to people and I know that if it's if they go into 2017 have not been back they haven't been back in Crow Park since you know, for a championship game. Mm. So I, I think I think the gun is to his head and just what you're saying about Liam Dunn, for a manager to be talking about knives being in the back during the year. No, and well, that, it doesn't know. sound good. It yeah. sounds foul from every direction there between, you know, not that it's the biggest deal in the world, but like local media supporters, everything else, that, that, that doesn't look like it's going to end particularly well. Come back to Cork, um, I think there's actually very strangely and very rarely for them, there's a bit of a realisation that they're just not at the races. So I don't think Kieran Kingston's under a whole lot of pressure there at the minute. Now, if maybe if it had to lose to Dublin, um, that would have been, especially a 14-man Dublin as it turned out, that might have turned the screw a little bit more. But I do think they realise that they've fallen well back from it and uh, that um, I, I think they'll, they just have to give him time. I don't know if he was, been honest, I don't know if he was the right appointment at the time. I don't know if he's the manager to bring them back to where they want to be at the moment, to be honest. His his pedigree, like I would say, the uh, the guy he has in doing coach with him, Frank Flannery, who was over Owlert, I would say that he has better pedigree to be manager in my own opinion. So whether he's, I don't think he's the man to lead them forward and I would the malaise that they're in at the moment. But Michael, the other issue is like, Kieran Kingston has inherit, inherited a multitude of problems there. I mean, even in the week of the Cork Dublin qualifier, their minors and under 21s crashed out. I mean, this has been going on for years. Yeah, the the success I know Don Logres in the Sunday game last year, the success at underage has been ab- absent really, I suppose. And I suppose it's not his fault he wasn't over those twenty one and minor teams that has produced the players that he's working with now. But I just don't know. I d- I think they need someone. Jimmy Barry at least had a, a lot of charisma and seemed to get the best out of players for at least for two thousand and thirteen anyway. And they looked, you know, they won a Munster title in two thousand fourteen as well. I think they're miles away from doing that at the moment with the same group of players. That twenty thirteen looks like. Um, more and more of a, a brilliant piece of work from JBM mm. with every passing game nearly it yeah. was incredible to to think that the, not, they got to another final replay um, just three years ago Fernie's just mad the second manager it must be must be an awfully thing isn't it player power that's that's our hurling talk concluded for this week turning to football on the Connacht final I'm joined by David Brady David opportunity knocks for both Galwyn and Ross Common in Salt Hill on Sunday they're the two form teams and I think it's it's good for the competition it's good for Connacht football and it's good for these two counties going forward. Um, you know, it, it's it, Connacht final is a massive occasion, but I think you, as a manager nowadays, you need to be looking at the bigger picture. It's all about Sunday, but the the, the journey doesn't end there for both teams, and there will be um, there will be a, a plots and turns in it. But I think it's it's they're, they're evenly matched to me, and uh, even though. Roscommon weren't the most impressive against Sligo. Um, any team that turns around a 17-point um, uh, point turnaround deserves credit and respect. And I think uh, it's going to be a case of uh, what backs can hold their, their, their counterparts in the forward lines the most. I mean, there is real scoring potential in that, in that Roscommon attack, isn't there? Massive scoring potential. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that's something that's going to be, again, 
highlighted in, the, in his team talks and his tactics during the week by Kevin Walsh because um, once the, once there was common forward line as a whole, um, you know, and I suppose the likes of Senator Cabride and Donny Shine, they happened, they happened, they're not the guys that really shot the lights out and there's a lot left in them as well of whether they start or, or, or um, come on as impact subs. Um, they have, they have, they have options on the bench in Roscommon too, but I think Kevin Walsh was excellent in his, in his game plan and the strategic approach he 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 came about winning the semi final against Mion. I think he'll bring that to the game as well because it was it was built on a rock solid uh, defensive system where you'd have you know any team that holds Kenny O'Connor and and Aidan O'Shea scoreless from play um, deserves a lot more credit than probably the forwards get and uh, it's going to be fascinating. I wonder, one of the interesting things, David, um, we, we interviewed Aidan O'Shea on the Monday after the Galway defeat and, and we sort of asked him, like, were Galway any good? And he, he actually couldn't answer the question with any great degree of certainty and you just wonder whether they had a day of days like Paul Conroy had a couple of points that were absolutely phenomenal, like, you know, straight foot from 50 yards out in front of goal. They were capitalising and they almost looked like they were getting energy from all of Mayo's mistakes and I suppose just from the point of view of figuring out whether Galway actually are any good. I think, you know, besides the fact that there's a Connacht title on the line, this will probably tell us for definite because it, it, it's not unlike a team like Galway to produce one big display. I mean, they did it against Cork and nearly beat them in an All-Ireland quarter-final a couple of years ago. Uh, this is probably the one that will confirm it either way, whether, you know, they have a bit of potential to take this on or whether it was just a bit of a, a, bit of a flash in the pan that day. Whatever footballers you have, if you have that momentum and intensity for 70 minutes in a game and Galway did have that, um, it really, really, really pushed them, uh, pushed them over the line, and they were they were putting them on a lot of aspects of play, especially midfield. Um, their link play, their tackling was 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 excellent, but they um, they went out with a purpose. Now you look at it; they went into that game with their chests out, huffing and puffing, and uh, probably scarred by some of the emotional the emotional uh, baggage that was thrown at them in the week. Build up and it was it was nicely plotted and planned by Kevin Walsh. But I'm afraid, you know, that doesn't work every day. They they um, saying we're no good and look what they're saying about you and how they they. This is this is a lot more this is a lot more um, football at its best and and the tactical battle is going to be is going to be to the forefront. I don't think there's there's any real you know there's no real as I would call it hatred between between the likes of Roscommon and uh, Galway. Roscommon have 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 more or less failed to beat them in in, in many years and. It's Galway have always had the upper hand in the in the um, in in the one to one battles, but uh, I do think that uh, Roscommon are perfectly placed from being in Division One, having some big game experience throughout the last twelve months. You know, when you're playing week in week out, the Donegals, the Mayo's, the Monaghan's, the Dublin's, the Currys, the Tyrone's of this world, um, you're definitely you're definitely more better prepared for an occasion like this after. After a semi-final um, win, which you kind of give a lot of work to do, Galway probably didn't get enough credit for for beating Mayo, and that we were all talking about Mayo and their collapse and the system they used and everything that went wrong for them. Galway probably didn't get enough credit for actually turning around and just doing it on on Championship Day. But the other thing about about the Connacht final is that was common have a sort of a tendency and demonstrated it that they can go asleep. So they got themselves into a position uh, where they were almost turned over in New York. Like and it feels like a lifetime ago now, but there were. Silly, stupidly close to losing that game, um, and they also were as far as eight points down at half time against uh, against Sligo. So the further on, 
they, uh, uh, the, fur- the further on they go into the championship, the less and less they're going to get away with things like that. E- even so their even their league performances fell off the face of a cliff. Certainly, the results did. I mean, they obviously started the league in an awful lot better physical shape than yeah, the other teams, yeah. you know. And after they had um, after they had um, promotion assured, like it's not as if they took their foot off the gas. It was just a case that everyone else came up to their level. So again, like I don't think you'd be certain of anything with Roscommon at the moment either. But of course, David, through your Mayo and also your Balna connections, you'd know Kevin McStay and Lee McHale better than most. Do you think they will have Roscommon primed that all those errors and sort of poor spells have had, that they will be ironed out and they will be ready to hit the ground running on Sunday? Um, I do, yes. And, you know, you have, um, you have a wealth of experience in that, in that Roscommon setup now with uh, Fergal O'Donnell, who's actually won Connacht Senior titles. Um, Kevin Kevin McStay and Liam McHale who've been there in the in the club scene and both individually and as as um intercounty, they have they have a wealth of knowledge and, and the one thing you know you'll hear us talked about Kevin that he's a perfectionist. Um I do think that Kevin and, and, and as you were discussing the boys the 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 the, the fade out of, of Roscommon during certain parts of the games, um I don't I think Kevin knows when he can get perfection and when he can't, I think he changes it. And uh, from what I've seen in a lot of parts of the games this year, they haven't controlled the midfield sector or the breaking ball area on the half-hour line. Um, and I think it's a kind of a new setup that they're, they were trying to implement over the last six or seven months since uh, they've come in in November, December. And uh, I don't know, will that be taken on board throughout the rest of the championship? And we can say midfield, but it's not about midfield, it's about the half-forwards and their half-back by not being able to win their own breaking ball. Um, they're not a team that's, that's, that's played a lot of short balls from their kickouts. Um, they do kind of deliver it long to the three-quarters out to the midfield area, and uh, it's around that area, I think, that they're saying, right, if we can't perfect the system we're trying to use, um, we're going to have to try and change it and make it perfect. And, and it's probably going to and so have guys sitting back rather than going into the roving role as the pageant was coming with the half-backs um, going forward on a lot of occasions and sitting back um, on other occasions for the half forward line, but they'll um, they'll be well they'll be well aware that that Kevin Walsh has um, has has done it against Mayo, you know, and Galway perfectly executed the 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 Mayo kickout. They they gave it to the Mayo cornerback, but they knew where they wanted to lead him. They knew where they wanted to direct them, and they they knew where to where to, where to uh, engage and and try and turn over the ball, and they did it time and time again. Um, and so it'll be, um, you know what, it's going to be interesting. But I have to be honest, I think I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be very positive from a common perspective coming into this game on kind of a, as says, under the, under the camouflage of an, uh, uh, an overwhelming performance against Sligo and probably the the high of 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 Galway beating Mayo will will take a little will take a little um, a little backseat for a while on Sunday. Connor wants to come in here. Just on the basis that Mayo have you know dominated Connacht for so long, and the fact that they were, you know, they were tap in favourites really to do it again. Like for the squad and and the players themselves, like they're in a place that they're not very familiar with here. Like they they weren't expected to be in this position. Everything before the start of the year was about whether they'd challenge Dublin for an All Ireland. That they were on the far side of the draw from Dublin Kerry, and you just wonder from that point of view how the players are going to absorb that because it it has to be a shock. It has to be some. It has to have some sort of uh, presumably adverse effects. Um, maybe it'll have the other effect. But going out so early, having 
uh, absorb that sort of defeat and facing a situation that they haven't been in. The majority of these players haven't played in these sort of qualifier matches, certainly not this early in the championship. And just it'll be interesting to see, I think, how they react. It's going to be very, uh, David kind of touching it, but what system they employ, like if they decide to go back to what they've been doing that's been successful for, for so long and abandon the sweeper thing they were doing with Kevin McLaughlin, it would be an awful indictment on management that this was the system that they decided was the one that was finally going to get them over the line and to drop it after one game. Now, maybe it would be the right thing to do, but it would make the Galway result you'd look a little bit foolish, frankly, if, if you if you abandoned what you're trying to do after one game. So it'd be very interesting to see what to do. OK, thanks for that, Donica. Uh, my thanks also to David Brady and Owen Kelly for joining us. And still to come in the throw-in, we'll be hearing from Martin Brehney and Roy Curtis as they go head-to-head on the big J topics. But first... Ball Sports will refund all losing in-play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. Leon Blanche from Ball Sports joins us here. Uh, welcome to the throw-in, Leon. Uh, good afternoon, Frank. How are you? Great, great. Now, we're here to make some money, hopefully, for charity, uh, but we'll start with the Munster final and Tipperary Waterford. What are the odds for this game? Yeah, well, here's hoping we all do a lot better than we did last week because we were all absolutely atrocious. Um, but Tipperary are the odds-on favourite, a strong odds-on favourite, a 13 to 8 on. You can back Waterford, the flip side of that, a 13 to 8 against. And the draw here is available at 9 to 1. And look, everybody keeps talking about this Waterford team, that it's about time that they finally deliver. And I'm in agreement with that. I think they finally have to win a Munster title and hopefully kick on there and go close in this year's Lee McCarthy. But I just don't see them beating Tipperary. Um, I think the Premier County will have too much, especially up front. Um, I think the tip forwards will cause the Waterford defence plenty of problems. And punters are in agreement. Uh, Tipperary have shortened from 6-4 to four on the 13-8 to eight on. And at the minute, ahead of throw-in, it seems to be all one-way traffic. Everybody wants to be with Tipperary in this final. Moving on to the football, Leon, and the Connacht final between Galway and Roscommon. Now, neither of these are being flagged as All-Ireland contenders, really, at this stage. But... One of them will be taking home silverware on, on Sunday. What are the odds like? Yeah, and I think, Frank, when you look at these two counties, Galway and Roscommon, I think both of these counties would love to win a Connacht title. Obviously, Mayo were hugely disappointing against Galway the last day, but you have to give credit to the tribesmen. They put it up to Mayo and they defeated them. And I think that's why Galway are just slight favourites in this one. 10 to 11, Galway. The draw again is available at 15 to 2. And Roscommon are a little better than even money. You can get them at 6 to 5. Roscommon, they have it in them. They're a very talented bunch of players. And on their day, they would be a match for Galway. And probably some pundits would, would, would argue that they should be favourites over Galway. But I just think Galway, having beaten Mayo, it has to give them confidence. They're coming in here as favourites, which does add a little bit of... It's a different type of pressure. The players will know their favourites. They're up against Roscommon, but it's not as if they're a one to three or a one to four shot. They're only just a shade worse than even money. And I think Galway, having beaten Mayo, should be able to confirm their superiority in Connacht, win the Connacht title, and march on to the quarterfinal. So I think Galway at ten to eleven, it's a tentative selection, and I think they might just be able to do it. Interestingly, Frank, we have seen a few quid knocking about for the draw. The draw has just been clipped in a half a point from eight to one into 15-2. to two. I think many people out there expect this one to be quite tight. Finally, Leon, uh, unlike last week's uh, disaster show by both by both sides here, we're trying to make some money for charity with our weekly €50 Euro bet. Um, have you your your bet picked yeah. at this stage? 
once again, Frank, I'm going to try and go for a treble. I'm going to stick Tipperary in um, as my, hopefully, my banker. And the other two are just a shade worse than even money. I'm going to go with Meath to beat Derry. Um, I thought both counties, to be fair, were absolutely brutal in their defeats in their respective counties. But I think Meath might just be able to have enough to see off Derry. So Meath at 10 to 11 and Galway against what's coming also at 10 to 11. The treble works out a little bit over 11 to 2. So I'm hoping that them three counties can be successful this year. Very good. Now, Michael Verney has been appointed as our resident expert here for this week. Um, that's probably because he wasn't here last week. Michael, where are we putting our money? Yeah, it's a Saturday double for me as well, Frank. Uh, awfully in Kildare. Kildare 8 to 13. Can't have them. They looked unbelievably bad against Westmead not that I think Offaly are an outstanding bet I just couldn't have Kildare at the moment uh, Offaly a 15-8 to eight there and I think Clare are maybe being going in under the radar in the qualifiers a small but they have a home tie against Leash who only played last week and just got over Armagh so I think um, Clare are 11-8 Offaly 15-8 11-2 double I think you could back a lot worse than that over the weekend and I'd just like to point out as well that Michael Verney when asked offered up awfully with the sort of certainty that you'd only really back Kilkenny to win a Leinster Hurling title so let that be on your head <laughs> we, we needn't ask where Michael is from uh, Leon so that's two two bets both coming in at 11 to 2 so hopefully when we're talking to you next week uh, well one of us uh, will be counting our cash thanks a million for joining us hopefully so Frank all the best now as Martin Brehney and Roy Curtis go head to head on the throw in this week they're arguing whether two points should be awarded for a free in hurling and football for certain categories of offence. Roy Curtis argues it should. I think it's an accepted part in, civil, in civilised society that punishments fit crime. Stealing a tin of beans doesn't get the same punishment as hitting an old lady over the head. Um, cynical play is the great cancer of the GAA at the moment. You see players deliberately, systematically pulling, player, pulling opponent players down to prevent them the opportunity to score. US sport introduced a thing called a flagrant foul for something that's intentional and shameless. In the NBA, for an example, an extra free throw was given when they deemed the foul to be deliberate and cynical. It has reduced cynical play by 60%. Not only would I award two points for any free that's awarded for cynical play aimed to stop a team scoring, I would also move that free, even if it takes place 70 yards away, to the 21-metre line and allow a tap over the bar. Cancer can only be tackled by serious zapping of chemotherapy from the GAA. I, I totally accept Roy's point about cynical play, but there are rules in place already to deal with cynical play. It's called the black card. So if a player commits a, a, a cynical foul, um, in football at least, um, he's removed from the game. He, there's all, there are also the yellow card sanctions, red card sanctions if you commit two, two yellow cards. The idea of having two, two points for... Uh, uh, f- 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 a free arising from cynical play. First of all, referees have enough on their plate at the moment without having to add this to the to the list. They already get enough wrong with, because it's very difficult. Thing. Now you have this one, and you have uh, so a, a player commits a cynical foul uh, under Roy's argument on, in his own square. Would that be? Uh, are you saying Roy that, that would be brought up to the other end to, for a fourteen yard free, a twenty one yard free at the other end? I'm precisely saying that the. The black card has been proved to be an abysmal failure in terms of dealing with cynical play because what you can do in the last 10 minutes of a game, you can have 10 different guys um, making, making fouls. Maybe three will be given black cards. They can be replaced. Um, you, don't, you don't suffer a loss in manpower. And in those last few minutes, 
it's it's all about creating field position and having the opportunity to score. You constantly hear players saying, I took one for the team. In other words, they're taking the black card, laughing at it, and destroying the game as a spectacle and destroying the opportunity. There are rules, but unfortunately the rules are impotent. And what we do when rules are impotent in general society is we change the rules. Do you accept that if, if a player committed a cynical foul in his own square and that a freeze award at the other end, now, do you, do you, do you, now, a yes or no, do you think that, 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 that would be good for the game? I think it would be exceptionally good. I think what it would do, I think in I America... I said yes or no, right? I said yes or no, right? Okay, in, sorry, in I, I didn't realise you were the moderator of the debate, Martin, sorry. Um, in in um, New York, they introduced the three strikes rule, and they introduced it that somebody graffitiing a wall, if they did it three times, would be put away. Because they base, the, the basis was that if you eradicate small crimes, the whole spectacle of the city becomes a greater thing. It worked magnificently. Manhattan went from a place you couldn't inhabit to the finest city to walk on earth. Roy, can we just deal with the facts and stay and don't mind Manhattan and all this nonsense? I mean, the fact is referees have enough on their plate at the moment. Secondly... Yeah, there are disputes and debates over, over what is a cynical foul even. We already have with the black card. You now have it where uh, this will be added to, well, was it a cynical foul to get awarded a two-point free? And thirdly, on this basis, you get two points for a free for a borderline case, perhaps, or two po- uh, for a very borderline case. A player could get the ball in his own square, beat ten opponents, solo up the field, get shoved out towards the corner flag and kick the ball over the bar, and that's only worth one point. This is absolutely nonsense. The rules are in place. If the rules are properly regulated and implemented, they're, they're absolutely fine. Changing the scoring... Changing I, the scoring I, I think if you ask spectators, you were talking earlier about spectators, spectators who are disillusioned by the game. The referee argument does, doesn't stack up. You can have a second referee. Basketball, which takes place in, a, in an area about one-sixth the size of a GA pitch, has three referees in, in the NBA, for example. The notion that you would not introduce a rule because it's hard to enforce is like... I mean, and it's, it's giving in to the people who are creating havoc in games. At the moment, cynicism is destroying beauty, and you don't see a player beating 10 players and scoring a fantastic point because it's no longer possible in the cynical way that the game operates. It, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense changing the, the, scoring, the scoring system to, to suit an argument that has uh, that according to Roy, the, the public are clamouring for something like this. I've never had anybody. But I think you made life. the argument, Martin, previously about introducing four points for a goal. Did you not? Yes, I did. Completely different. But you just that's said that it was, makes no, no, no sense no. to change that's the scoring rewarding, system. That's rewarding creativity. Uh, we've never stuck. The, 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 the three points for a goal was actual fact. Why is it three points? I mean, we, it was five points. Or it was more than worth anything at one stage. But there was five points. There's no reason why it shouldn't be, be, be amended and changed. This is completely different. That's to do with that's to do with creativity. This your your argument here for two. Points for a cynical foul to, in any part of the field. The nonsense that you could bring the ball up from if the, if the goalkeeper committed a cynical foul, the other and that it brought brought up 160, 140 meters the other end. You, so work. you want to reward creativity but not punish cynicism? Yes, I am punished. The, 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 the rules are in place. Implement and, and the them. rules that are in Implement place, them. you will get a black card but then, if it's within but then your I would own de- Then I'd, I'd strengthen the rules, but not, not change the scoring system. Two points for free. Let it happen. That's it from the throw-in on independent.ie. My thanks to David Brady, Owen Kelly, Leon Blanche, Michael Verney, Conor McKeown and Donica Boyle. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and we'll be back next Thursday for more from the Championship. Ball Sports will refund all losing in-play bets if the last score of your televised championship match is a goal. Download the Ball Sports app or get in store today for full details. GAA betting with Ball Sports, bring it on. <laughs>